Truth Espresso, Episode 68. Face it, we all would rather sleep in this morning. <sighs> That's why God gave us espresso to kickstart our zombified corpses into hyperdrive. <laughs> And now, giving your mind and soul the morning shot of truth it craves. This is Truth Espresso with Daniel Minnick. Hello, this is Daniel Minnick, your host for Truth Espresso. Welcome to another exciting episode with dealing with the topic of overpopulation. The last episode, we looked at biologist Paul Ehrlich and his book in 1968, The Population Bomb. And so we looked at some of his predictions and we checked our watches to see if his predictions held true. And so if you haven't listen to that episode, I would recommend that you listen to it because this episode continues on that theme. We're going to look a little bit at Paul Ehrlich's statements from the 21st century and then get ready, kiddies. We're going to talk a little bit about the Avengers. Yes, we're going to see what some people think about Marvel's Avengers. Um, the two movies, Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame, and particularly at the supervillain Thanos and his goal when discussing the issue of overpopulation. So put on your seatbelts and get ready to see that some people think that the roles were reversed and that really the Avengers were the bad guys and that Thanos was the good guy because of the fearsome problem of of overpopulation, yes. Even in 2020, there are people who still think that the problem is overpopulation. Now, let's start with our friendly neighborhood biologist overpopulation alarmist Paul Ehrlich in the 21st century and what statements he has made in interviews about his ideas of overpopulation. Because did Paul Ehrlich repent of his false prophecies of millions, hundreds of millions of people starving to death and the Earth's population really being reduced as a result of overpopulation causing starvation in the 1970s and 1980s? Or at the very latest, the 1990s? No, Paul Ehrlich pretty much digs his heels even deeper into his theories. So first of all, what did Paul Ehrlich have to say in 2008 in an article in Salon entitled, Do We Need Population Control? And so the interview from which the article gets its transcript, the interviewer asks Paul Ehrlich, quote, but how could you accomplish that goal without a coercive policy, unquote? The goal, of course, is keeping population under control or reducing it, reducing the growth. And to which Ehrlich replied, quote, it depends on what your definition of coercion is. You could simply raise the taxes very high on people who have beyond two children, unquote. 
And so that's one of Paul Ehrlich's minor solutions to the problem of overpopulation. And he would consider this not coercive. But, of course, if you're trying to socially engineer society with taxes and force people to pay much higher taxes if they have more than two children, I would say that that's rather coercive. But then, of course, you know, if more children means higher taxes, and if the taxes were, became a source of income, then one would think that the government would want people to have more children, which would mean more confiscatory revenue for the federal government to spend. But I don't think that's what Ehrlich's idea is. In fact, he's thinking that these taxes would discourage that behavior. It's kind of weird, the idea of charging a high tax and thinking that tax is going to discourage the behavior. But also, if it's a high tax, doesn't that mean it's a source of revenue? And we've seen that that type of thing is tried with various things like smoking cigarettes or fossil fuels, gasoline at the pump. Paul Ehrlich later on in this interview said, quote, The truth is, if we do not get our numbers and consumption down, there is a very real chance that the global civilization that we have will collapse. And anyone who does things that oppose that is, in my view, extremely unethical, unquote. And so from Paul Ehrlich's perspective, Governments trying to coerce, quote-unquote, people into living certain ways or punishing them for being humans and wanting to have children. Or even earlier, his idea of adding things to water that we drink or take showers in that would somehow affect our hormones and supposedly sterilize people not to have children. You know, of course, there could be side effects, but some top-down approach that could have who knows what kinds of side effects. Oh, that's not unethical, but people just being people, people being humans, working, having children, trying to be parents. Oh, that's extremely unethical because of Paul Ehrlich's idea of overpopulation being a problem. But all of his prophecies thus far have failed. So who's the one who's unethical here? And that was Paul Ehrlich in an interview for Salon Magazine in 2008. And so, 12 years since then, we haven't had the apocalypse yet, and population growth has been declining. Now, what about as late as 2018? Why do people even give this guy a voice, given how, after all these years, the date ranges for his prophecies of doomsaying have utterly passed, and the Generation Zers are not even going to remember because they weren't even alive at this time, when supposedly the world would have faced an abrupt apocalypse and they possibly never would have been able to have been born. So Paul Ehrlich in 2018, in an article entitled, Paul Ehrlich, Collapse of Civilization is a Near Certainty Within Decades, unquote. And this article was from theguardian.com. 
Remember that Paul Ehrlich, first of all, was quite certain that really bad things are going to happen in the 1970s and 1980s. And so when Paul Ehrlich now, as late as 2018, predicts that the collapse of civilization is a near certainty within decades, why should we believe this boy crying wolf anymore? But Paul Ehrlich, in this article, said, quote, The world's optimum population is less than 2 billion people, 5.6 billion fewer than on the planet today, he argues. Now, this is the article actually summarizing what Paul Ehrlich said. So, in 2018, Paul Ehrlich thinks that we need to reduce the population by two-thirds to survive. And I'm sure Paul Ehrlich, with all the money that he made from selling his apocalyptic book, and all the attention and all the press, has lived off of the benefits of that many people supporting him with their labor and the fruits of their labor and the availability of goods and services. But of course, Paul Ehrlich knows no such connection. And so Paul Ehrlich still gets a voice, my friends, because the overpopulation myth still hasn't died. There are still people who believe that too many people will ultimately result in too few people. Because too many people, if you listen to the last episode, according to overpopulation alarmists, are more mouths to feed because they think of everything from the top down. They think of it as, how is the government going to manage to pay for these mouths to feed? Instead of thinking of things from the perspective of human liberty and freedom and people feeding their own mouths and the fact that they have two hands and two feet and that along with population growth and innovation, there are more human brains that come up with more efficient ways to do things and create things that end up helping and feeding the poor among us. But when you're a demagogue, you don't think of things that way. And remember Julian Simon from the last episode won a wager against Paul Ehrlich in the 1980s that things got cheaper over time as people figure out more efficient ways that turns things that formerly are expensive, natural resources that were expensive before, into resources that can be used more efficiently, and then there's less demand for some of these things, and then they become cheaper because we find better ways to use things. But let's move on from doomsday sayer Paul Ehrlich, because it isn't just Paul Ehrlich. Some of the doomsday comes from movies, even some of our favorite action-packed superhero movies. In the year 2018, when Paul Ehrlich gave one of his most recent interviews talking about overpopulation, that was the same year that one of the biggest box office hit movies ever came out. This was Avengers Infinity War, and this was basically part one of a two-part movie series of the Marvel superhero Avengers and their battle against the fearsome and powerful Thanos. So, as Infinity War came out, there was a 
a little bit of a movement on the site Reddit called Thanos Did Nothing Wrong. So it's kind of to get us to think, wait, this villain Thanos, who's trying to commit genocide of half of the universe, he really did nothing wrong because he had good intentions and he was actually trying to save the universe. Now, keep in mind that Thanos did nothing wrong is really a play off of the old Hitler did nothing wrong. And the idea, of course, is that Adolf Hitler seemed like a really evil person because he was responsible for killing millions of people. But he didn't just do that because he liked killing people. He had a noble goal of ridding the world of humans that overconsume really poor people or people who are not of the Aryan race, people who are handicapped and so on, that they just use up resources and that if we had only people, smart people, who were of his favored races that they know how to use resources efficiently and that therefore it's justified to treat other human beings that he thought were lesser evolved, lesser developed humans who were a drain on society. And so if you think of things that way, then you start to justify what Adolf Hitler did in killing lots of people really to save the earth. And so, if that theme, Hitler did nothing wrong, kind of shocks you, which it well should, we should really see that Thanos did nothing wrong should shock us as well. So, let's dive into this a little bit. Let's look at Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame through the eyes of a writer, a contributor to Forbes magazine by the name of J.V. Shamari. According to J.V. Shamari, Thanos is the underwritten hero of the plot, and the Avengers, who are trying to stop his mass genocide of half of all life on the universe, were really the bad guys. So, let's look at basically a summary, a synopsis, if you will. Thanos, the supervillain on Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame, was a dry psychopath. But he seemed to have the noble goal underlying the plot. His home world of Titan was destroyed because of starvation, which was due to, drumroll please, overpopulation. Thank you, Paul Ehrlich and company, for that idea. So, Thanos wanted to get the six Infinity Stones to insert into his glove, and in doing so, that would somehow erase half of all life in the universe. The calloused demeanor cloaks, really, the heart of this fearsome vigilante as he wants to save the universe from its own self-destruction. Sure, unfortunately, half of all life would have to die, but that's the sacrifice to ensure that the survivors, the ones that remain, don't suffer and die. Don't you just love these dilemmas, these conundrums that you have to choose the lesser of two evils? So, what does J.V. Shamari, contributor to Forbes in this article, have to say as he reviews the science of Avengers Endgame and he 
says that it proves Thanos did nothing wrong. Shamari says, quote, Fewer people ought to mean more food and less hunger, and might lower the risk of an epidemic when overcrowding enables the spread of disease. Unquote. So this sounds like Thomas Malthus. This sounds like Paul Ehrlich, the whole idea that somehow if you get rid of people, there will be more food for the other people. But it doesn't understand the way that food gets produced. When you have more people, you have more ingenuity to produce even more food. That is what the data shows us. Now, there are some nations, of course, where you have a lot more people starving, but that's because of a dictatorial government that doesn't allow the progress of human freedom to grow more food and produce more technology to become more efficient and feed everyone more than if there were fewer people. And he also Shamari continued by saying that it might lower the risk of an epidemic when overcrowding enables the spread of disease. Well, two years later, after he wrote this article, he probably wasn't expecting, as really none of us were, this COVID-19 pandemic. And how that spread, now of course I sincerely believe that this pandemic has been overplayed and over-politicized, but is really the cause of this overcrowding? Remember, the Black Plague hundreds of years ago, and it killed about a third, at least, of people then? Was that because of overcrowding? Or was it because of a lack of understanding about the particular plague and lack of sanitation? And as you have more people giving them freedom and not coercion by a central government to control their lives, they freely discover things like sanitation and how to manage diseases. So the problem is not overpopulation or overcrowding. Continuing on with the Forbes article, Shamari says, quote, And while there's no doubt that he's a mass murderer, referring to Thanos, it's misleading to use provocative language like kill or genocide or say that using the Infinity Stones wiped out half the population. The snap itself simply erased people from existence, unquote. Oh, so it's not the loss of life that's the issue. It's the manner of execution that determines the difference between the Hitler we despise and a savior we should love in Thanos, huh? Except do remember that Peter Parker, also known as Spider-Man, said, Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good. So it seems like those who were erased actually did feel some kind of pain. But it's not really pain that's the issue. Otherwise, you know, there should be no moral qualms about giving people lethal injections or having them swallow pills that would somehow give them a painless death. Now, would there? But there are a lot of people, even in 
on the political left that despise capital punishment when capital punishment now is a little more sophisticated. There's really not as much hangings from the noose or firing squad and stuff like that. It's more like lethal injections or electrocutions and stuff like that. Something that might not you might not feel as much. But that's the issue. It's not about how you can manage to kill people by erasing them or by brutally murdering them. So unfortunately for Adolf Hitler, right, he didn't have a more humane way of killing off people to be the hero that Thanos was in this made-up story. Let's continue on and see more of what Shamari has to say to praise Thanos. Quote, the Avengers are guilty of putting the grief of survivors above the health of our world, unquote. So, what kind of quality of life are the grieving survivors going to have after all? Let's think about this. Who knows how many of them would be so grieved as to take their own lives and add to the toll? Many of them could have relied on partnerships that produce food. Some of the survivors might lack the knowledge to feed themselves and their families while grieving the loss of others who were helping them survive. So, there is simply no way to have a painless eradication of half the universe and not negatively impact the survivors. But, according to Shamari here, the Avengers are guilty of wrongdoing because they put the grief of those who were spared, the ones who are allowed to live, they put their grief as more important than allegedly the health of the world. Now, sure, if you believe what Shamri believes, you have to believe that Thanos did nothing wrong, but untold misery from all the survivors and And remember, Thanos destroyed half of all life at random. So, it could end up with some people whose lives were dependent upon someone who was erased and now they, like, die a slow, painful, miserable death. And, oh, that's not important. But continuing on with Shamari in the article on Forbes, quote, Our planet ought to be able to produce enough food to feed the hungry, and some experts argue that the residents of rich developed countries consume more than they need, so the real problem is overconsumption, unquote. Okay, so he's trying to say that Thanos and his goal wasn't completely right because it wasn't strictly overpopulation, but it was the fact that there are some members of the population who are wealthy and the wealthy people overconsume. And so these overconsumers are what creates most of the problem. So let's just think about really. Who are the overconsumers? How does anyone get wealthy, by the way? Someone gets wealthy, you know, if we're not talking about government, we're not talking about confiscation of wealth by taxes and government politicians living off the backs of people's labor and feeding themselves by using the point of a gun to collect taxes. And yes, I know those are episodes for 
another discussion, but given liberty, given freedom, how does anyone become wealthy? Well, they really give more than they take. So they provide value for other people. Remember, why do people exchange anything? Why do people buy anything? It's because those who buy things value what they're buying more than the money that they give in exchange. And so if someone creates a service or a product that lots of people want, then that person becomes wealthy by really giving more than they take. So are wealthy people over consumers? Well, from the standpoint of things, they are really under consumers. Let's continue on with Shamery in the article and see his ideas here more fleshed out. Rather than at random, Shamery says, quote, If overconsumption is the real problem, Thanos should have targeted people from wasteful nations, leaving a better world for the 50% who survived the snap. Unquote. <laughs> this is almost too crazy even to have to comment on. But let's entertain Mr. Shamry here. So he thinks that it would have been better if Thanos could have targeted certain types of people instead of killing half at random. Such that if only he could have targeted more of the wealthy people who allegedly overconsume, the world would have been better for lots of people. The ones that remain, the, the half of people who remain, who, who consume less in his view, which of course would be poorer people. Now, what would happen if all these wealthy people were erased? Let's think of how many people do you know who are wealthy? Like, let's say the managers of Walmart and McDonald's and Target and... Think of pretty much any kind of store you'd want. Someone who's allegedly an over-consumer in Shamry's thinking is someone who provides things that people need. Because remember, wealthy people create things and sell them. Wealthy people also, when they do consume things, they're buying things and giving money to other people and helping employ people with jobs. So if you were to kill and target all these wealthy people, a lot of the under-consumers in Shamri's view would be left high and dry. They would have to figure out how to start producing things that they don't even have the know how yet to be able to produce and of course the rest of the 50% would be almost living hand to mouth and then maybe half of them or more than half of the survivors would die and they wouldn't be erased by the way they would die miserable deaths so Shamery's understanding of overconsumption and underconsumption is completely the opposite and let's compare the evolving idea of the overpopulation theory today with overpopulation alarmism back in the early days of Paul Ehrlich. So Paul Ehrlich, over 40 years ago, seemed to believe that the problem was too many poor people. So Ehrlich believed that the poor people were the overconsumers. 
And now Shamari believes that the problem is that there are too many rich people who are over-consumers. News flash to Ehrlich and Shamari. How about we don't think about targeting poor or rich people? How about we knock off the garbage of thinking that there is an overpopulation problem? So again, what if Thanos was able to target so-called over-consumers more? There would be a lot more suffering and a lot more starvation because there would be a lot more poor people with less knowledge of how to mass-produce rather than live hand-to-mouth. And so, no, that would not be better than the evil that Thanos was able to get away with. Shamari, quote, So, without counting people, you could indeed argue that Thanos did nothing wrong, and in the long run, the villain might have actually saved the world, unquote. So let's put all this into perspective. If someone kills another person, we think of him as a murderer. But if someone kills lots of people because of an unproven ideology, he's a savior. That is the twisted idea of people who think that there has to be someone in government controlling the population with large ideological goals. This is what happens when people from the ivory tower of the academy distance themselves from the way the world actually works. They live in a world of ideas that have no basis in human action or the cause and effect of the physical world. They learn lots of inbred theory, but nothing demonstrably practical. Their ideas never produce anything useful. They only think they can restructure and rearrange things so that other people produce things. Other people. They don't have the slightest idea of how to produce things that help people. They just want to spew ideology. There is always some idea from these demagogues that people at large need an elite few to push the buttons and pull the right levers. So, my friends, was Thanos right? Did Thanos do nothing wrong? As Christians, of course, the Word of God is our source of truth in these matters. And what does the Word of God say? What does God, Yahweh God himself, say about things that he hates? So, Proverbs 6, 16-19 These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief or calamity, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. So, arguably, at least three of these things that Yahweh God hates are things that Thanos did, and Hitler did, and any kind of social engineering mass murderer did. But the overpopulation theorists want to excuse evil, want to diminish the killing of people for allegedly the greater good. And this sounds a lot like Psalm 2, which is a messianic psalm, 
prophesying the coming of Jesus Christ and how Jesus will ultimately rule the world in righteousness. But the first four verses show the opposition by the way the heathen think. This passage says in verses 1 through 4, Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. So the heathen people rage and they imagine vain things and they think that somehow the way God has set things up, the way God has ordered the universe, the way God has created humans to do things after his image and to be able to provide for their needs freely, that this is bans. These are cuffs, these are stocks that they have to break and throw away from themselves. They are under bondage to what God has created to be freedom for humanity. And they take counsel against the Lord. The demagogues, the rulers always think that they have to set themselves up in the place of God and control things with their laws. And so that is the problem, my friends. The problem with the world is not overpopulation or overconsumption. The problem is people forsaking the God who created them and wanting to create their own laws that, of course, are always the exact opposite of God's laws. And now, the next episode of Truth Espresso is going to discuss the trends in population growth, and we're going to see where is the population heading. I know I said that that was going to be this episode, but I just couldn't resist talking about Thanos a little bit and Avengers. So, next episode, we're going to look at a model of population growth that seems to make the most sense. And, of course, we're going to analyze what's wrong and what's right about it. And, of course, in Truth Espresso, what does the Bible have to say about all this? Thank you for waking up with Truth Espresso. Good morning, and God bless your day. Hey friends, Daniel Minnick here again. If you liked waking up to this episode of Truth Espresso, I would really appreciate it if you would rate it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever application you use to listen to Truth Espresso. 